Hello, you're listening to the Sydney Writers Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name is Valerie Koo and you can find us online at sydneywriterscentre.com.au. We're Australia's leading writing centre and you'll find a wealth of resources on our website and blog, including interviews with authors, writing tips and valuable ideas on how to get published. Whether you're interested in writing a novel, short story or articles for magazines, you'll find information and courses to help you get there. Or if you want to hone your business writing skills, we can help you too. Our presenters are the best in the industry. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. In 1992, 18 months after finishing high school, Poppy King set up Poppy Industries. Through her company, she sold her own brand of lipstick, and within three years, her business had grown into a multi-million dollar company. She quickly became known as the Lipstick Queen. In 2002, Poppy Industries was sold to Estee Lauder, and Poppy moved to New York to work full-time for Estee Lauder. Now she has returned to running her own company, this time called Lipstick Queen. She has also just released her first book, Lessons of a Lipstick Queen, Finding and Developing the Great Idea That Can Change Your Life, a guide to building a business and the lessons that will help you along the way. So Poppy, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Now, what prompted you to write about being an entrepreneur? I'm so excited about this book. Well, thank you. Um, basically, during my time in America, when I was um, working for Estee Lauder for the first three years that I was living here, I spent a lot of time doing presentations in one of their major retailers called Nordstrom right across America. And as I was doing what they call these trend presentations, where they have somebody talking about the trends for the seasons, the customers, and um, and I would mention my start in business being that I'd started my own lipstick company at the age of 18. And the interest that just everyday women had in that story in America and how did I manage to start my own lipstick company uh, was so great that over those three years, I think that was what I ended up talking more about when I was out in the field um, than anything else. And I realized that uh, there was a very simple book there to just show not so much my story, but more using my story as an example of how anyone can be entrepreneurial if they just battle a few of the self-doubts along the way. Mm-mm. I mean, and it's such a great story because I've tracked your, your you know, business career pretty much since you were 18, I think, and (laughs) you became very successful very quickly. What was that like? Uh, Well, I had nothing really to compare it to, so I guess for me it was... um, uh, very extremely validating in in the sense that I had believed so fully that if I could find a way to offer customers at that stage matte lipsticks and also a different type of marketing, not a big sort of corporate cosmetic company, um, but more of an individual style of marketing. If I could put those two things together and get them out there, I just felt totally sure that it would be successful. So that felt, so for it to be so successful so quickly, it kind of felt like, oh yes, well this is, you know, exactly what I kind of thought would happen. I think um, it's now when I look back on that period that I'm sort of able to appreciate more how unusual and how successful it was um, and really appreciate that that isn't just a given, you know, that there were so many variables, both some of which 
were strategic on my behalf and some of which were just, you know, the variables in terms of the planets aligning um, that made that happen. And so it's, uh, at the time, I guess it was uh, what I'd expected to happen and that's part of, sort of part of the puzzle with entrepreneurship is that you do have to sort of maintain a kind of optimism but it's only really later on that you sort of look back and go wow that's amazing mm, absolutely now i am very familiar with with your lipsticks and i own countless uh, colors of the matte shade and then the shine version um, yes. but for some of the listeners who may not be as familiar can you just mm-hmm. briefly tell them your story the, the story no doubt that you told nordstrom's and all of those companies countless times as well Sure. Basically, uh, when I, by the time I was 18, which was in the very early 90s, 1991, 90, yeah, 1991, I um, I was very disappointed with the lipsticks that were out there in terms of the colours and the textures. I was trying to do my makeup and my overall style in more of an uh, 1940s or sort of old-fashioned Hollywood look, and everything that was out there was very pink very shimmery you know it was the end of the 80s and there was still a sort of hangover from that and I couldn't find lipsticks that gave me the look of old-fashioned Hollywood and the 1940s stars and so I um, was very uh, proactive in asking all the cosmetic counters in Myers and David Jones about you know why didn't they have matte lipsticks and they couldn't really give me any particular answer but they said that there are a lot of women that seem to ask for them and so I really noticed that it was something that was missing and then beyond that beyond just the product I also felt that the way that cosmetics was marketed and offered to me um, being sort of a new young adult at that time and with my own economic power like I was walking around those counters and I felt totally disgusted and sort of horrified by the really patronizing bordering on exploitive way that cosmetics seemed to be marketed you know to women as being these things that were sort of a denial of our intelligence so um, you know, I really uh, wanted to do something that was intelligent as well as something that was really unique. Mm. So I um, basically set about designing a lip- the lipstick brand that I wanted that wasn't there. And over the space of a year, managed to put all the pieces of the puzzle in place in terms of finding a, finding financing, finding a manufacturer, finding... Um, what else I needed to get done and you know and that's what the book details is it details well okay so you realize something's missing but where on earth do you go from there and it and it sort of details out um, exactly how I broke that process down with no kind of Harvard degree or or um, not even a, a you know a family that was in business that could point me in the right direction I just sort of broke it down in a way that was very simple and that's what I explained to the reader. And you did it at such a young age too. So is this book just for business owners? Can you see your advice being applied to other areas of life? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it's and it's 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 not uh, it's not kind of just advice. It's kind of really more sort of the lessons that I learned and the scenarios and kind of like what I've sort of deduced from that. Yeah. And it's sort of 
I designed it to be less advice and more stimulating in the reader their own sort of thought process, you know. And um, I mean, I tell I tell the reader in the book that sort of like uh, advice is always someone's opinion mixed with their experience, and it doesn't have to be the same as theirs. So it's more to stimulate the the re- and I think that absolutely, I mean, they're judging by the re- you know the extraordinary reaction that I've been getting from it here in the states. I'm not. I, you know, in terms of Australia, um, I uh, I don't get as much correspondence from Australia as I do in where I'm living, which is in the States. Yeah. And the extraordinary reaction is uh, even men are taking the <laughs> taking the step of reading it, just in terms of how to sort of really trust your instincts. I guess that's and that can be applied not just to business, but to your personal sort of endeavours as well. Mm-mm. Now, in 2002, you moved to New York to work for Estee Lauder, but now you've struck out on your own again. Tell us about what you're doing now and what made you decide to go back to running your own show. Well, I guess it's it's really I went back to what made me decide was that I I, I still feel um, and having sort of been closer to the process with Estee Lauder in many ways feel... Um, and understand further why I feel so frustrated with the lip products that are put out by all the major corporations. Um, and so I went back to, it wasn't so much that I was so determined to go back to running my own shows, I just still consider, still find that the lip, the colours and the whole premise with which the major companies provide lip products is, uh, is, is to me, is totally... Um, uh, disappointing. It's done in a way which I feel sort of dumbs it down, and and rather than makes it sort of exciting and um and interesting, which lipstick to me is a very very interesting product. And so um so I went. I decided that you know there was still this kind of need for the type of brand that I'd always wanted to see on the market myself, which was one that was coming from a woman's point of view, mm. but not in a way that was kind of a denial of women's power. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go back to designing lip products again and and to really do it the way I want to do it, which is not always commercially motivated. I kind of tend to have to do it, run my own thing because um, getting other people involved tends to mean that it's got to go back to the same dynamics for the whole which are the reason that I really dislike all the lip products out there because <laughs> they get way too commercialized yeah and of course now you have the benefit of years of experience so is it easier this time around no uh, it's different <laughs> um you know it's uh it's it's not uh, it's not easier because I've always had a very independent spirit um and you know and i'm and my sort of values are very different to the way that the business is done um on a on a mass level you know so in, i am always kind of swimming upstream because my um my focus is on the customer and um the focus of um the industry is on profit and so you know it's it's a constant battle for me to find the right balance between that you know if we're up to me I mean I spend every cent I have on the customer and it's um that's kind of always been a battle and it you know it was one of the battles I had in my first business was that 
I ended up having no profit because I was putting way too much back into the business. I've never been someone who's bled business dry for personal gain. I'm always kind of over-emphasizing the need for the customer to experience the best experience possible, and that's not always a very good commercial decision. And apart from that, what are some of your other big challenges as an entrepreneur, do you think? Uh, men, you know, <laughs> men tend to be the people that are still in charge of um, finance, you know. So mm. um, it's, you know, one of the big challenges as a as an entrepreneur and as um, a female entrepreneur in a female world is to speak the language uh, that men speak in business and um, and to be able to kind of like find a way to operate with men's idea of business but in a way that also speaks to women. So that's, uh, you know, I find that very challenging and just the general challenges of of being able to have a longer term vision, you know, it's not always apparent in the early days of something uh, the economic indicators in the early days of things that turn into great brands that don't always look like what people expect it to look like in the beginning and then it's only sort of in 2020 hindsight that go, oh, of course that turned into a big brand, you know. So it's just, you know, the same challenges that I've always had, which is balancing the creativity with the finance and having the right language around that to convince people who don't have the same creativity and have different skill set. Mm. And so when you decided to write the book, I mean, you're, stu- you're, you're running a business that's extremely time-consuming and demanding. How did you fit it in? Like, w- did you have a routine or a process or uh, Well, I wrote that. I was, lucky enough, I was lucky enough that, um, that when I quit Lauder, um, I took six months to write the book before I started the new business. Right. So um, I was very lucky to have a six-month period where I just focused full-time on writing and um, I have to tell you it was it was the most um, extraordinary if, if I look back at my life to date and think what is one of the biggest privileges I've had even though I've clearly had so many ups and downs and am far from sort of out of the woods yet in terms of into a you know sort of phase of, of huge financial security, but I um, was the, one of the biggest privileges was being able to take that time to write that book, yeah. and uh, because I'd already sold it, so I was able to really just you know live off off uh, savings and and the advance at that stage and and write it, and so that was uh, so I wrote six months straight wow. for. Um, and you see, I know that, you know, you might be asking me about other books and yes, I absolutely adore writing and I wrote every word of that book. It's not, that wasn't ghost written. I came up with the structure, I came up with the flow, with the chapter outline and everything that you read there. I mean, of course I had editing help, but, um, and I absolutely adore writing. You know, I have lots of false starts. You know, there are three, uh, my agent is in the process of selling my second book at the moment, right. and um, and there were so many false starts with that in terms of the premise, getting the premise of what I'm doing right, and um, and I have, um, as it turns out, you know, I have about three other books that are really pretty far along. Right. And uh, yeah. what are they about? And, um, well, it's all part of a. Uh, 
two, two further. One of them is uh, in particular about lipstick and the history of lipstick and right. all sorts of aspects of lipstick. And then um, the other one is very much a, uh, a kind of broader life book um, in terms of my life. And then there's uh, one at the moment that I'm in the process of looking at, which is to do with the differences between men and women in business. Right. And um, there's also a fiction work that I'm looking at rewriting, or not rewriting, but updating a modern classic um, for the current era, like sort of rewriting it as if it was based in this era. So, um, I mean, I just adore writing and I can't, you know, not all of these books will get sold and not all of these books will work, but um, I'm hoping to write for the rest of my life as well as my other you know, daytime job. <laughs> <laughs> so you may have discovered a parallel career. Well, I hope so, you know, and I guess to me it sort of works. I mean, I've always loved, um, you know, I, lo I just adore women. I mean, I'm heterosexual <laughs> but mm. um, in terms of romantic, but I mean, I just find us a fascinating, fascinating subject. And, um, you know, one of the ways that I've talked to women about women and explored, you know, the role of being a woman my whole adult life is through lipstick. And now I've found that, you know, an, an adjunct to that is exploring that through writing. So it's something that I, you know, I can't imagine not doing, you know, and I, and I, I mean, I just love it and I'm not, I mean, whether I'm good at it or not good at it, the one thing I know that I have is um, an ability to write in, in a way that is engaging. You know, I'm not going to win a Pulitzer Prize <laughs> anytime soon or a, um, you know, or a Booker Prize. I can't see myself winning any, any literary prizes, but I, I write in a way that's engaging and I think very, very frank you know I'm not on a lecture podium and I think that's what makes it um, a rare voice. Did you discover this love for writing when you sat down to write the first book or, or did, have you no, always had it? No I think it? it was I think it was really you know I always wrote my own speeches like the whole time when I was kind of really um, famous in Australia in the you know in the sort of like the happier times you know sort of um, and when I was uh, very involved in the Australian Republican movement and also when I was young Australian of the Year. And, you know, I mean, I always wrote all my own speeches. Mm. I always wrote everything I ever said about, you know, my passion for this for Australia becoming a republic. I wrote it myself. You know, I mean, I always wrote... Um, I also wrote some articles. I mean, unfortunately, I was happened to be in New York before I was even living here in September on September 11, 2001, and I wrote an article for the Age newspaper at the time about that. I've written, you know, so I've always enjoyed writing. I mean, I, and I've, I never, ever um, imagined that I would have the discipline or the ability to write a whole book, you know. Um, but I really realised that that's exactly what it is, is it's a discipline. Yes, that, absolutely. That, you know, and it doesn't really matter a bit like everything in life, I've kind of realised it doesn't really matter on in on any one particular day what you've done. It's about doing something every day, which ends up adding up to a whole book. It's That's not right. sort of about spurts 
you know, it's more about consistency than spurts of genius, if you know what I mean. That's absolutely right. And that's, yeah, definitely. So when in that six months, did you have some kind of routine or, you know, ha- tell us about yes, your writing I had day. Very, I very much, <laughs> I had a very, very much had a routine, you know, because I was uh, writing from home, um, I knew that I had to first thing in the morning get out and go and have breakfast, you know, um, because it just forced me to go out, to get dressed, to kind of like not sort of fall into any bad patterns of sort of sitting in my pyjamas and writing or, you know. Um, and so I, every morning I would make myself, and it's, you know, certainly it was a very nice thing to do, but, you know, it was to just kind of immediately, first thing in the morning, you know, get up, have a shower, go have breakfast and then come back to my dining table slash desk and, um, and I would write pretty much straight through from, you know, about sort of 9.30 to 1.30 when I would break to watch The Bold and the Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I and, and so, because, you know, there was, and I would get some lunch and I would, um, turn on and I would watch The Vault and the Beautiful for half an hour, which was a great way to turn my brain right off. <laughs> and um, and that would be my kind of total break. And then I would um, come back to it. And usually I would find that the I could only write for about another two hours. But, and, then, um, and then I was sort of starting to get ready to set up the business. So I would have some other stuff to do. And then I would... Um, go to yoga and come home and, you know, watch... T- I mean, it was... I, I really lived pretty much like a monk for that six months. Wow. I really didn't go out much at all. Not because of... Um, I mean, I was just totally sort of... I found myself when I was out thinking about the book and the next section and just really it was like... Um, one of the most exciting relationships in my entire life, I have to tell you, was kind of the relationship I had with writing that six months was, and uh, my boyfriend now, um, you know, he also, he lives, he actually lives in London, but he, um, I go back and forth to London all the time, so I work there too, but he does writing, granted he writes on very highfalutin subjects, not like me, but... Um, and he's he I mean he's amazed. He sees me when I'm really engaged in writing. I mean I can get out. I mean I've been working on one of the books now just for two and a half weeks, and I've done thirty thousand words oh already my God. now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's in between of running a full time business. And I'm not saying there's thirty thousand good words. I'm not. That's what I mean by so many false starts. Yeah. But it's just. Um, you know, I know I'm onto something when I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm not trying to sort of prove anything, but I'm just bursting to chat about something. Wow. You know, it's kind of as simple as that. And I think, um, you know, it's something I, you can probably hear it in my voice. I mean, I just adore it. You know, and I've actually found that a lot of the advice I'm giving at the moment is people that have read my book, as I said, mainly in the States because I'm easier to find, you know, in the States. Um, and have asked me actually about the writing process, you know, that they read the book and they thought it seemed to come so naturally and how did I develop my voice and how do, you know, that kind of stuff, which has really been wonderful to have a chance to to talk about, you know, the process, you know, and even though, you know, I tend to sort of 
say to myself, as I think many non-fiction writers do, oh, I only write non-fiction and not consider it, you know, as relevant. But it is in a different way. Oh, absolutely. Now, it seems to have come very naturally to you, but did you find any particular challenges with the writing process? What was Um, the hardest part about it? I have to tell you that the hardest part, I guess, was sometimes mistaking that if if it was coming too easy that it meant that it wasn't valid. You know, we sort of have this kind of idea, and I think this is probably more a fiction idea, um, of sort of the tortured kind of writer, you know, and I kept thinking, this must be, excuse my language, crap that I'm writing. (laughs) It was coming out so easily, and it was about sort of getting comfortable with the idea that, Really, I think when you when you are writing really well, it shouldn't be sort of tortured. Yeah. Like, you know, that means that you really have something that you want to say. You know, at the times, I guess I only ever had one chapter. I got to a point in the book where I started feeling like I wasn't being genuine, and I think it. And I started to feel like I was trying to show off in right. front of the reader. Yeah. You know, and starting to sort of like, and I thought, oh my God, I'm going somewhere I don't want to go. Like I've lost my ability to sort of just be open here and I'm sort of starting to sort of, you know, show off a little bit. Yeah. And, and and what turned it around for me, I ended up throwing out that chapter, you know, and sort of restarting it. And what turned it around for me was that I kind of wrote a note to myself saying that, and stuck it right near my computer, but it said, I'm not here to show you how smart I am. I'm here to show you how smart you can be. You know, and it just kind of, as if that was sort of my pact with the reader, that I wasn't to stop trying to show the reader I'm smart. My yeah. whole, the whole reason I'd written this book was to show them how smart they already are. It's yeah. just getting it out of them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, absolutely. So, you know, I think the hardest thing is just kind of like, you know, staying true to the premise. And, you know, it's... um. And just kind of understanding that also every day is a little bit different. You know, there are some days where I could be really productive and other days where it was really, you know, all I could get was maybe one good hour. But And yeah. it's about sort of understanding, all right, I'm just going to have to walk away from it now and just trust that it will come back to me tomorrow, you know? Sure. And I love the fact that um, the bold and the beautiful is an integral part of the writing process. Totally. You know, the funniest <laughs> thing was, the funniest thing was, I turned it on. I hadn't seen it for years, more well, because this was 2006. You know, then I started my business, and obviously that's kind of taken over. And I, was, and I turned it back on <laughs> last Friday. I actually spent the day, first day for a long time, um, writing. The first weekday that I spent for a long, long time writing. And, um, you know, out of nostalgia, I thought, oh, well, I'll watch The Bold and Beautiful again at lunchtime. And um, and I'm telling you, it was still, I think it was still the same dilemma of Brook <laughs> and Ridge and, and Taylor were still deciding who's going to be with who. Of course. But, uh, so it was, uh, yes, it was very funny. So, uh, and now apart from the, it sounds like several books that you've got mm-hmm. in the offing and um, what you're currently doing with your business, what what's next for Poppy King? What's the grandmaster plan? Um, just being open to kind of where, just kind of being open to to different sort of facets of 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 what of what kind of what the world 
what parts of the world I'm interested in and how to kind of like find a way to make a living and make a difference. And, you know, it's it tends to be something that I found, you know, predominantly around lipstick. Um, but to also start to, particularly as a writer, be open to some of the other struggles and triumphs and and observations that in a in a life so far where I haven't shied away from any of the hard stuff, um, you know what? How can I kind of use that? You know, in in so many ways, and I think there are so many books, particularly for the Australian readers if they are interested that that will are yet to come out of me that I think will be really surprising in terms of some of the struggles that I also faced internally um, in my life and um, and how I really you know how I can really use some of this stuff to to make people laugh and to make people also feel inspired. Well I have no doubt that we'll feel inspired. So on that note thank you very much for your time today Poppy. My pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to the Sydney Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name's Valerie Koo. You can find us online, including details about our courses, seminars and online learning, as well as information on our regular competitions where you can win books, movie tickets and literary experiences at www.sydneywriterscentre.com.au or visit me on my personal website, www.valeriekoo.com. That's Valerie Koo, K-H-O-O.com. Thank you for listening.